Welcome to a Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing. Here is your host, Antoine Martel. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Millennial's Guide to Real Estate Investing. Today I have Brian Arigbu. He's a wholesaler in Texas. I follow him heavy on Instagram. On Instagram, he's house buying Brian, posts a lot of great content, does a big ton of big stuff. So thanks so much. I'm, I'm really excited to, to have you on here today. Well, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. No I know we've been, we've been uh, talking for quite a while. <laughs> how I, know. I know, right? Well, yeah, so yeah. thanks for coming on. Tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and, and what you do. Okay. So I'm a, I would consider myself a real estate entrepreneur versus wholesaler. You know, um, I do wholesale deals. I do creative deals like, you know, subject to lease options. I really like those because I like to try to acquire properties with, you know, little to no, you know, money down or resources and keep them as holds. Um, I started off. I was actually a high school teacher for like four years, and then I started working in the oil and gas field, got, you know, that six-figure job that everybody was like, is the dream, and then I was like, yeah, still don't have enough money. <laughs> Six figures is not what you thought it was, so then I started looking at other things, and everything kind of led back to real estate, so I just gave it a try, and, and uh, I've been, it's been about five years now, and that's what I've been doing. Got it. And then didn't you, you were also work so you worked as a school teacher, but then you also had another full-time job after that, correct? Which you, I think you recently, did you recently quit that job? I recently, so that was the six figure job. I was working for Exxon Mobil, a real big company, you know, what fortune three <laughs> companies, yeah. you know, so uh, a really good job. Great. Everything was great. I just, just didn't want to do that anymore, man. I, you know, it was one of those things where I knew that I was really just going to work because they were paying me, but I wouldn't do it if they weren't, if that makes any sense. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, most people, you know, they just consider it, well, you got to do what you got to do. But I feel like, you know, if you can align and be able to do something that you actually like to do and get paid, so that's a more fulfilling life. So, you know, I would just go, you know, to work every day and I'd just be tuned out, you know, they're talking about <laughs> They're talking about we'd be in meetings and stuff with high up bosses and they're talking about all this oil and gas stuff. And like my head is in a whole different place. Yeah. Like, man, I, I need to get out of here, man. Yeah. And <laughs> so what did you time. what did you start doing? You started with the wholesaling while you had that full time job. And how did you like? Absolutely. So in my off in my off hours, man, I would just, uh, you know, I would be marketing and, and finding deals. And when I would get off of work, I would be in my work uniform and go to seller appointments, you know, uh, just like that and, and, you know, put deals together. Um, and I came to the point where I was like, you know what, what is my escape path? Uh, and I was like, you know what, wholesaling is, is cool, but, you know, I mean, it's still a job, you know, active yeah. income. So I made a goal to, you know, if I can make what I'm making at my job and passive income, then I'll leave, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, of course, you know, you got all the, the you know, the, the things that they take out and get taxed real heavily with the W-2 income. But once I, I reached my goal passively, I, I left. Awesome. And then so how are you finding that when you first started, how are you finding those deals, getting them under contract? You know, where were you finding your buyers? And then I guess, first of all, define what what is a wholesale and what does a wholesale deal look like? And then how did you go about getting those when you first started? Absolutely. So, man, still to this day, man, one of my uh, uh, favorite lead sources is actually Bandit Signs. 
Um, and then if you're in a small market, after you do so many deals, you start to get referrals. And referrals are some of the best leads because, you know, you don't have the guards up from the sellers. They've already yeah. swarmed up because of, you know, someone vouching for your reputation. Um, so those are the ways I were finding them. And as far as a wholesale deal, what it looks like is uh, we're typically uh, assigning these to a cash buyer. So we're getting the deal under contract at a deep discount, um, and we're assigning our rights to purchase it to a cash buyer for a fee. And uh, what that looks like is, you know, we have the 70% rule. Our cash buyer needs to be all in at 70%. So they need to be able to purchase the property, rehab the property, and our assignment fee needs to be in there all for 70 cent of ARV because our cash buyer is looking to purchase the property, rehab it, make it look all HGTV ready, and then <laughs> and then put it on the market for you know the nice family that's looking to move in and yep. go get a conventional FHA loan or something like that. Got it. Okay, cool. So Bandit Signs was actually your, your number yeah. one. Yeah, bandit signs, man. I got it. Bandit then, signs, driving for dollars. Got it. In, in the beginning, I was doing a lot of for, calling for sell by owners. Those are the tough sellers. They want yeah. every single penny. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Okay, so bandit. So I've done bandit signs before, and for me, I ordered the signs online just on some whatever some website, and then I would hire people on Craigslist to actually go and post those signs around. Is that what you did, or how did you? get those signs up because it's a continuous thing. So how often were you going and replenishing those signs um, in your market? And how'd you, how did that look? So uh, that's a, that's a good one. So I would go to this uh, site called super cheap signs.com. Uh, and there's, there's some other dirt cheap signs. Dirt cheap but, signs is where I got mine. Yep. Yeah. I hear that one a lot. I usually use super cheap signs, same thing, yep. but uh, I would, I would go ahead and get them already printed. I know a lot of people handwrite signs. I've never done it a day in my life. I never really understood the reason. I guess it's one of those things where a uh, written letter versus typed, but I never, you know, I never did any split testing. So that looks like a lot of labor. So I've always got the printed signs already. And um, at first I was, I was putting them out myself, you know, like I would work shift work. And let's say when, I, when I'm working a night shift and I get off at four in the morning, you know, I would go ahead and when I get off after a 12 hour shift, I would put up all the signs you know, and wow. then, yeah, then go go home and try to get to sleep before the sun comes up. <laughs> After a while, when I got to the point where I, would, I was doing more deals and I just didn't have as much time, I, uh, I actually, it's funny, I ran across one of my former students from when I was a teacher, and uh, I, I was paying him a hundred, a uh, dollar per sign. I paid him a dollar per sign, and uh, he would, you know, put up all the signs for me. Um, and as far as the frequency, the good thing is that a lot of these signs don't get taken down. So I would put them up as needed because there's different strategies. Some people say, oh, put them up on a Friday evening when code enforcement isn't at work and then pull them up on Sunday evening. You know, that's a lot of, you know, in some markets you may have to do that because they may be more strict as far as uh, fines and stuff. You know, mine, sometimes they'll get on you and start calling you and everything, but sometimes they'll just let off. And so as far as the frequency, instead of using stakes, I would use poles because I noticed stakes, they get pulled up quicker, you know what I mean? Maybe haters, maybe the lawn guy uses mowing and he pulls it up and doesn't put it back wherever the intersection is. 
So I noticed that poles, like the wooden telephone poles, stay up longer. Um, and so I would just put them back up as needed because trying to do, let's say, 50 a week or 100 a week, I would go back out with signs and it's like, well, nowhere else to put them because they, they haven't been taken down yet, you know? So that's yeah, a good sense. thing. And yeah. I know for markets, it's not like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And for us, like we would, we would put them on, I think we had the stakes too, and they would go on the ground and normally in front of a telephone pole or something like that or close to one. And then, yeah, they, those were very easily ripped out of the ground and anybody driving by or any other wholesaler can just knock them down or throw them into the dirt. And it was, you know, easy thing to destroy. But when it's, when it's also when it's high up on the telephone pole, it gets a little bit harder to, to remove it as well. And, yeah. You know, people aren't going to, they just look up, they're like, you know, whatever. They can cuss at the sign, but they're not going to take it down. <laughs> but if it's right there, they can kick it over. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, That's exactly what happens, too. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then were you using a Google Voice number? How are you? So, because I've I've gotten like um, calls from code enforcement, too. And they're like, hey, we're going to find out who you are and we're going to find you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, right. Because I had a Google Voice number. So how did you, what tool did you do? use to protect yourself and your identity from being attached to the sign and the phone number, all that. Uh, that's funny. So the same thing, I would use Google voice when I started to add more marketing streams, you know, like, okay, uh, I started using call rail cause now, you know, we have multiple forms of marketing. So we need to track all of those incoming lead sources cause now we have Google pay-per-click, you know, ringless voicemail, bandit signs, uh, direct mail, and so now I use CallRail because there's multiple numbers going out for marketing. But when they code enforcement, so they won't be calling me directly, they'll be calling that number. But in the event they did call and I end up picking up the phone and then they identified themselves as code enforcement, take them down, this is against our policy, our city ordinances, I would say something along the lines of, yeah, like I, I don't, I'm just, uh, I just put up signs for this investor. I, you know, I, I'm just making a little extra money. I, I'll, I'll pass the message, but yeah, they, these. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not in charge, basically. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass it's it kind of like the good cop, bad cop. Like yeah, yeah, I have yeah. no idea. I just put up signs for money. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll actually take the role as the one, you know, just putting the signs up or whatever. Got it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, because that's I think that's the most or the assistant just answering phone calls, you know. Yeah, yeah. She just says, "Oh, I'm... yeah, yeah, exactly." Oh no, I yeah. take like, down I your have signs. No I have yeah, no control I... over that, pal. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't even put out the signs. I just answer calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. And then so you started doing that wholesaling for the bandit signs. Then what did you? you mentioned a little bit about subject to and doing some buy and holds and getting the passive income. So how did you make that transition from the strictly wholesaling, you know, strictly fee based to actually moving into making that passive income to allow you to quit your job? What, what was that path like? Well, well, uh, honestly, when I came into, you know, investing, I learned it all at the same time, you know? So it wasn't like I was wholesaling first and started that, you know, uh, when I originally, you know, learned this and was taught, uh, I was taught, hey, we need to find motivated sellers. And when the lead comes in, these are all the different exit strategies. You pick the box that it fits in, you know? And so it really wasn't a transition. I was from the, you know, but my first few deals only met, they, they were a fit for a wholesale. So my approach is usually, if I can wholesale it, make a quick, you know, assignment fee, get in and out, no risk, do it. Yep. If it doesn't fit, I propose 
other offers for the seller. And it may be something like terms, like owner finance or subject to. Okay. And of course, you know, with my calculations, you know, the main thing, I can get real detailed as far as the the uh numbers, but it comes down to does it cash flow? Yeah. Does it make does it make money? Does the property pay for itself? Got you it. Know? Okay, cool. And then explain what subject to is. Okay. That's basically when you're gonna start making payments on a seller's behalf directly to the bank, but you're the owner. So they deed the property over to you, but you keep the existing mortgage in place. Got it. Okay, cool. And yeah. then Okay, so that was one of the strategies that you were that you were doing. Wasn't there? There was another strategy that you mentioned as well. So owner finance is basically okay. the same. You know, the, the same thing. You know, the the seller creates a mortgage for me. They become the bank. Yeah. Back, and they deed the property over. This isn't a case when the properties are free and clear. Got um, it. So it's that's one and two. Uh, another one, but it's more so for exit strategy. I usually don't use it for acquisition. Um, but I use it for extra strategies, a lease option. So instead of just your temple, typical renter, a rental where you're, you're factoring in like property management, maintenance, and everything like that, we do a rent to own where we push the maintenance on the tenant. We also collect the non refundable option deposit up front. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then we give them the option to exercise, you know, if, if they, if they like, which, the majority never exercises. Mm-hmm. So now you just have a great cash flow and rental, you know? Yep, exactly. Okay, cool. So you were able to, over those last four four years, was it? Five years? You were able to pick up enough buy and holds in order to, to quit that job at Exxon? Right, right. Awesome. Cool. And then when did you quit that job? Uh, March 5th. Okay. April, May. Yeah. March 5th. Okay, cool. And then have... You've been doing the same exact strategy or what's in store for, for the end of the year for Brian now that you can really double down and scale the hell out of it. What's <laughs> what's your plan and what's your strategy for, for moving forward? So really it's just kind of, you know, more people on my team. So, you know, I mean, more leverage so people can do the task that, you know, may take time, a lot of time away from me. Um, you know, really getting those systems in place because the, the whole time I was really like a lone wolf. You know, I would deal with like a VA and an assistant. You know, because I was working 50 or 70 hours a week, you know, so I didn't really have the time to just build a real foundation. Like, you know, I was just hey, making great money on the side, making great money at the job. So right now what's in store for me is really just kind of putting that all together so it can run without me. You know, the active part, because the passive runs without me, but the active part. Um, that and uh, recently I just, you know, actually started uh, you know, coaching other people to do what I've, I've done. Uh, over the past year, man, I've got hundreds and hundreds of messages of people trying to, you know, ask questions, asking if I'm a mentor, can I help them do this and that. And, you know, I just, I never had the time. So now, you know, I've been giving back like that. Nice. So, awesome. Cool. Teaching people the game, man. Yeah, that's great. And how are you, how would you recommend, so we talked about a little bit how you find the deals. What's the best way that you... So today, or is Bandit Sign still working the best for you, or is there another strategy that you've seen come up a little bit? I wouldn't say the best, you know, because Bandit Sign's are weird. Bandit Sign's are one of those marketing sources that that it doesn't make your phone blow off the hook, you know? Yeah. It's like in a month span, you may get about, I don't know, 10 calls, you know? But they're usually pretty motivated if they call a yellow sign that says, we buy houses with no identity. So 
Um, recently, cold calling, man, has been it's been great, man, because you get a direct response. You get to find out if they're interested or not right on the spot. So, you know, we'll do things like uh, maybe drive for dollars and collect a list of properties that look distressed. Maybe pull uh, records of, you know, possible problems like tax delinquent, probates, you know, pre-foreclosures. And just uh, find, skip trace the numbers, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm in a local investor in the area. I was wondering if you was interested in selling your property on 123 Main Street. Yeah. And has that, have you been making those calls or did you hire somebody? I, I hired somebody. Locally or out of country? Locally. Okay, okay good. Yeah. So, I, I, cold, I don't like cold calling, but I love going on like seller's appointments, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, a lot of people did it, does this, uh, this, uh, this business virtually, yeah. and, you know, it works extraordinary, especially the scaling. Um, it's funny, even if I got virtual, I think I would, uh, did majority virtual. I think just for my own enjoyment, I was still going like seller appointments. I just get a lot of satisfaction, you know, out of it, got but it. actually cold calling somebody. Mm -mm. Not interested. I don't so, like it either. I, yeah. I like that first filter to where, you know, someone reaches out to the lead or qualifies the lead. Yeah. Then if they're interested in selling, then I'll talk to them. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, cool. And then how have you find, so what's the best way you found to actually find the buyer's leads? Um, so you put something under contract, but how do you get rid of that? If let's say you want a wholesale, for example, how do you get rid of that? How have you found the best way to grow that buyer's list um, for investors? Okay. So the, a, a few different ways, man. I got like five. The number one, as far as tried and true, is just going to an auction, going to a foreclosure auction or or a tax auction. You know, the reason why is because these people. So, so you know, I know as far as our auctions, anyone can go. It's public, but to actually participate in the auction, you actually have to register. You know, to be, you know, to bid. So those are the people that I'm paying attention to. I'm paying attention to the people that's actually waving their hands and bidding. Because I know if they win that bid, they need to have a cashier's check to the courthouse by the end of the day. So there's no way to fake that, you know, because you got a bunch of looky-loos that, you know, say they're cash buyers, but they're not. They may be wholesalers. But these people are legit. They're really buying properties on the spot. So I go to uh, something like that, and it happens every single month. Your tax auctions, your foreclosure auctions. I just pay attention to who's bidding. I approach them like, hey, you know, um, I find deals like this all the time, like the one you're bidding on, you know, instead of the competition, would you like me to reach out to you when I get a deal? Boom. That's, awesome. That's one. Uh, another way is uh, reach out to, well, I have MLS access. I was a realtor, Keller Williams, but I have really close uh, realtor uh, friends. So with MLS access, I can just go pull up the closed comps. And let's say I can go 90 days back, look at all the closed comps, the closed cash. Right, pull up the address, the uh, the uh, prop, the owner's address for that property to close. Boom! I reach out to him like, "Hey, I seen you just bought a property on one two three Sarah Street. You know, it looks like you're an investor. Would you be interested in more deals like that? <laughs> you know. Same thing with the uh, you know, going to uh, the uh, what's it called? HUD, the Housing Authority, going okay. to your local authority yep. and go go pulling a list of all of the uh, homes that are for rent all right and then find out who the owners are of those properties that's for rent yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. A lot of times those are investors. Some are some are some have a property for rent by default. Maybe they just had to rent it because they couldn't sell it. But a lot of them are purposely house for cash flow and they're investors. Yep. Agreed. So those those are a few ways. And also ghost bandit signs, man. Those bandit signs that say we buy houses, put a bandit sign out that says three bed, two bath, you know, uh, asking 59K. ARB yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I never thought of that either. Yeah, I love the yeah, courthouse idea. Yeah, they call you and like, hey, I'm calling about that deal. Yeah, we just actually sold that deal, but uh, you know, I can give you a call when the next one comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Just to grow the list, that's all you need. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that right. you have the biggest list, and I like the idea too of, of looking at you know even other houses for rent or you know you said the HUD too. You can see who the property owner is, and it normally has their name and phone number right there. But even if it's just houses for rent and calling, even if it's the property manager, be like, hey. I have the house next door. Does can you ask the owner if they want to buy the house next door? And trust me, they'll they want to manage those houses too. So you can reach out to property management and see if that owner wants to buy the house next door, and then they get management. So it's all, you know, there's so many different ways. Yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I'm sure people have probably talked to you and people are like, hey man, it's so hard to find somebody to buy my deals. And I always tell people anything is sell for the right price. Mm -hmm. If it's not if it's not selling, it's not a deal. Exactly. You know. And you, you have so many investors out here looking for a great deal. That should be the last of your worries. Yep. Um, ideas is like you said, call a property management company and say, hey, you know, um, you know, I source deals and find, you know, deeply discounted properties. Do you guys manage any properties for any investors that would be interested in buying more? Yep. Exactly. Same thing with the title company. The title company is like the foundation of all transactions. Mm -hmm. They see all of the transactions closed. You could go to your escrow agent and say, hey, you know, um, you know, Miss, Mrs. Escrow agent, um, do you have any investor that's buying a lot of properties in this area and probably will want more? Because I got a lot of them I'm trying to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you went to the source. You went to the escrow agent. Yeah. All the transactions closed. Yep. That's true. So. That's true. Yeah. And they always, they know who's buying and they can't really disclose information unless both parties agree. So they're not going to exactly. tell you much, but you right. say... Hey, anybody close? Yeah, exactly. Anybody closing stuff in this zip code? Mind sending them this address with these photos? Yeah, sure. And then a week because they want the closing too, so it all make it makes sense for them to pass it through, um, through you and get the deal done that way. So yeah, and I I just you know, hear it turn around like, hey, you know, if they say they can't disclose, okay, I, I definitely understand. Well, can you give them my contact information? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. Yeah, because I just hear it a lot that people just come up with excuses. Oh, I'll get a property under contract, but nobody's going to buy it. And I'm like, that's the least of your worries. We didn't even talk about putting it, getting a pro account on bigger pockets and posting it up there. There's a million different ways to putting on a Craigslist. <laughs> There's a million ways. On, yeah. Zillow, Craigslist, Facebook marketplace. Yeah. has been pretty hot. <laughs> I don't know how that skipped my mind, but man, I, I've moved quite a few properties on Facebook Marketplace. Really? Last six, yeah, last six months, yeah. Crazy. How many deals are you guys doing on a monthly basis now? Or um, I'm still, I'm still uh, around one to three, man. Cool, awesome. And then in the same market, small little market you're in, or are you looking at going into the bigger Houston, or what's? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, I recently just closed on a deal in Houston, not not too long ago. So you know, a little bit in Houston. In my surrounding areas and cities, um, but yeah, that's basically where I'm, I'm at, just right here in Texas. Got it. Okay. Any any interest in expanding into Tex, greater Texas, or even larger? 
Absolutely, man. Um, you know, I just don't know it, it, you know, in what fashion, you know, because, you know, as far as holds, I like holds in my backyard or, or somewhere that I can, you know, drive to, you know, quickly, you know, um, or within an hour, um, yep. so maybe as far as assignments and things in wholesale, maybe, you know? Yeah. And are you guys, are you managing all the rental properties you own? Yes. Um, the ones that are rentals, but a lot of them, you know, kind of manage themselves, you know, when you yeah. got the lease option, we just make sure that, you know, we, we do our, our regularly ch- regular checks to make sure that the property's still in great condition. They're still taking care of, you know, the landscaping and things like they should. Yeah. 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 And they're paying their bills, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Cool, man. Um, anything you have coming up? Anything you want to pitch? I know you said you're doing some mentorship. So any way that people can get in touch with you or anything you have coming out, um, maybe plug your Instagram too. Yeah. So, um, man, if you want to connect with me, House Buying Brian, Brian with an I uh, on Instagram. And my YouTube is Brian, first name. Rigbu, last name, I-R-E-G-B-U. You could link it yep. uh, below. But, um, yeah, Facebook, I hate it, but I am on there, <laughs> first and last name. Facebook is, is too much. I know. It's, yeah, it's so it's so much stuff you can do. It's like Walmart, you know? I know. It's too much. So, uh, yeah, that's how you can connect with me. Um, I actually uh, just launched Creative uh, Real Estate Academy, Creative REI Academy, I'm sorry. Uh, and that's my group coaching where I, you know, teach people the strategies that I do, you know, acquiring properties, you know, with little to no money down. Awesome. So that's how you can reach out to me, man. Cool, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. First wholesaler on here. So tons of great information. Um, and if anybody wants Don't to. Don't call me that. I'm just joking. What? <laughs> Don't call me a wholesaler. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully people will start calling you and reaching out to you seeing if they can join your course and stuff like that. Brian's a great resource. I would highly encourage following him on, on Instagram as well. He posts a ton of great content on there um, on a daily basis. So please reach out to him. Go follow him as well. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Brian. Um, it was great having you. Thank you, man. Thank you.